Hey, .NET Rocks fans. Richard and I are going to be at the Dev Intersection Conference at the Marriott Grand Lakes in Orlando, Florida, April 13th through 16th. Come see your favorite speakers, Scott Guthrie, Scott Hanselman, John Papa, Billy Hollis, Brian Noyes, Dan Wallin, Todd Anglin, Tim Huckabee, Michelle Bustamante, Miguel Castro, Duval Lowy, Kathleen Dollard, and many more. Go to devintersection.com to register now. You'll save 200 bucks if you register on or before February 24th, $100 if you register between February 25th and March 31st, and you can save an additional 50 bucks by specifying .NET Rocks is how you heard about the conference. More details at devintersection.com. We'll see you in April. .NET Rocks episode 947 with guest Tim Huckabee. Recorded live Tuesday, January 21st, 2014. This episode is brought to you by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And by Franklin's.net, makers of Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. And uh, I know you expected to hear us live in Denver, but a uh, funny thing happened. Every once in a while, uh, one of us, in this case me, forgets to press the record button when we get all excited in front of a crowd. And we did the first 20 minutes of a show sans recording. Right. And there's a reason we were pretty excited. The crowd in Denver was awesome. They were awesome. Yeah. It was and a sold out. Standing uh, room only. Standing room only venue. And uh, Tim Huckabee was there. He agreed to come back. Hi, Tim. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and uh, uh, redo the first 20 minutes or so. Then we'll go back and uh, pick up where we left off for the last part of it. In the live recording part. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So given that, let's roll Better Know Framework. Okay. All right, buddy. What do you got? Well, uh, seeing as how Tim is our guest and uh, he's all about Nui and the Xbox One with the new Connect is part of our discussion here today. Yep. Uh, did you know that Microsoft has an indie developer program for the Xbox One? So it's called ID at Xbox, and you can read all about it at tinyurl.com slash Xbox One Indie. That's Xbox O-N-E-I-N-D-I-E. So the ID at Xbox program enables qualified game developers of all sizes to unleash their creativity by self-publishing digital games on Xbox One, giving studios the tools and support needed to maximize their success. This is awesome because, yeah. you know, generally making games for console machines is the purview of the electronic arts and blizzards of the world, right? Right. It's, and it's really expensive. I think the game development kit for the Xbox 360 was like 25 grand. Yeah, absolutely. So this is a, it's pretty cool. So what you get is no cost development tools. So you get access to two developer kits, as well as access to all required technical documentation, private forums, free middleware. Uh, you get full access to the platform. Um, and then, of course, the discovery in the community. So this is a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, way to, to jump on board. And just to be clear, this is not XNA. Right. 
Right. Yeah. XNA remains dead, I guess. I suppose. <laughs> there you go. Cool, man. So it's fun. It's all good. Yeah. Learn it, learn it, love it. Richard, who's talking to us today? Grabbed a comment off of show 872, and that is the one we did with Mr. Huckabee back in May of 2013 when we were talking about his uh, work in gesture and some of the, the cool other devices like Leap Motion and Soft Kinetic and so forth. And this comment comes from Gordon Watts, who says, I'm fascinated by this and keep coming, quote, this close, holding this your fingers close together, close. to getting one to play with. And I can think of all the cool things to do with it, like have it waved to my kid as she walks by, but I'm having trouble coming up with ideas that are more useful for my day job. But perhaps I'm just not using my imagination. If I were to play, then ideas would come. And I know we've talked about a few of these, and we'll talk about a few more on the show itself, but uh, we'll right. dig into that. And speaking of which, Gordon continues, I'll vote for a geek out on the Higgs boson. Higgs boson. But that is my day job. Get in touch if you want some background help with that. Oh, wow. And I'm like, hmm, yeah, yeah. I think we might need some help with that, Gordon. That would be a, a nap for me, I think. I, I try really hard to understand that that kind of stuff, and, and I can kind of get what it does and what the importance of it is, but uh, after after a while, they lose me. Yeah, yeah, and they, you know, there's the physics part of it, then there's the engineering part of it, yeah. because actually making a, Hig, a Higgs field manipulator is an interesting idea. That's but, very uh, Star that's, Trek to me. We'll save that for a later geek out. I love the idea. We'll be in touch, Gordon. So, hey, uh, yeah, if you, if you can simplify that for the masses, bring it on. Absolutely. So, Gordon, thanks so much for your comment, and uh, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on any of our mobile apps. We've got them for iOS, Android, Windows Phone 7 and 8, and Windows 8, and those apps were built by Diatom Enterprises. Who'd love to build you an app? Just go to diatomenterprises.com. And before we go any further, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have hundreds of hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts, still releasing over 40 new courses a month and offering a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Pluralsight offers a wide range of topics, including coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much anything and everything on the Microsoft stack. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And that brings us to our guest. Tim Huckabee is focused on engaging user experiences, user interaction design, and the natural user interface, or NUI, NUI, as applied with software and systems of all industries. Mr. Huckabee's expertise encompasses NUI as touch, gesture, voice, and neural interfaces, as applied by a number of compelling software technologies on many software and hardware platforms on a broad spectrum of devices. Tim has been called a pioneer of the smart client revolution by the press. His uncanny prediction of locally installed native application popularity became true. This prediction of the smart client revolution was the predecessor to the app store phenomena we see today, where applications are downloaded from an app store and installed natively on the device, as contrasted to using web applications in a browser. I could go on and on, but let's just bring him in. Hey, Tim, good to have you back. Thanks, gentlemen. Boy, what, what, who, where'd you get that? I know, your, <laughs> who boss, wrote, your boss, your boss who wrote that? What, what a bunch of BS. <laughs> Man, I sound smart. Who's Mr. Huckabee? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Tim, we, uh, sorry, we lost uh, some of the original 
stuff there, but we were we were just sort of talking to you in the beginning of this show about your experiences, and um, they they have been vast, and and especially I guess you and I are 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 we the only two American MVPs in the on the Connect for Windows team? That can't be true, is it? Is it? I know there's there's only a handful of us like nine of growing. Us, I think. Um, anyway, yeah, there's that, a very small yeah. Maybe number. maybe we are. Wow. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I I just wanted to talk about how cool it's been to to sit around a table with these guys, these MVPs, and the team, and just witness the genesis of and the continuation of this SDK, this uh, Connect for Windows SDK that started. I don't. You remember how it started when the X when the Connect came out for the Xbox and somebody hacked it. And yeah, said, and then and then people and, like yeah. me and you were whining, and Richard were <laughs> whining right. at the Microsoft folks. We need to, this on to the basically PC. do it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because my yeah my guys were were building hacked interfaces too, but you could only go so far. You couldn't get to the microphone. You no. know, you're ju- you're just basically coding to the USB port. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they I as shocking it was as it was, they built a real API for this thing and an SDK and. And boy, they've moved quickly. You know, yeah, in, sure in Connect have. One, it was they went through eight major releases over a span of a year and a half, and now we have this Connect Two device coming that we're all excited about. And um, yeah, when we what I love about sitting in that room with the Connect for Windows uh, team and then uh, the other MVPs in the group mm. is that unlike in other places in Microsoft. They're really willing to share their roadmap, right? You know, you know that 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 era of um, of or that culture, I should say, of being secret in the product teams yeah. is finally ending. And um, man, the roadmap looks good, doesn't it? <laughs> it does look good. Yeah, yeah, very exciting stuff. So the um, the the Connect Two, I guess the how we describe this thing. First of all, it's not coming out till summer, so we it's really kind of very early. They do have a early developer program, but I think it closes down, geez, just in a couple of days. So uh, as of this recording, anyway, so it's done now. But um, I just got another company into it, so I don't I don't know how religious they are going to be about that developer program. But um, they may either way, there's again. thousands of these devices seated into the um, world now, which is good. Yeah. And, we're and are they still about, just USB devices? So what it is? No. Well, what it is is that the the Connect for Xbox One, right? Yeah. This plugs directly into the Xbox One, but for the Windows version, they have this special breakout box, and even I guess. I, I guess well, that could be figured out, but uh, you have well, to have well, no, this Carl, box. Carl, in its current uh, form, it's a prototype. So that breakout box thing, eventually yeah. that's going to live in the 3D camera. Oh, okay. We, we, we just got prototypes. Okay. Um, Richard, the, the, the difference is, unfortunately, uh, the connector is not USB on the new Connect for Windows 2.0 device. So you can't just take your one... Your your Connect 2.0 thing off your Xbox One and plug it into your computer. Right or wrong, that's the way it is. You know, yeah. so, someone in all honesty, someone could build a little adapter thing, right, and probably make a fortune doing it. And I bet Microsoft wouldn't even care. But you know, you'd still be breaking the SDK yeah. rules. You wouldn't yeah, be yeah. able to sell software legally with you know right, with that. right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. 
Well, and it, and I guess the question is, uh, how big is the data stream, right? I mean, even you, even USB three is only so fast. How much data is coming out of that thing? Yeah, so so the the specs on this thing are are pretty great. Uh, it's still thirty frames a second, like the old one. However, the latency is so much better. Like it's gotten so much faster. Night and day. And and Carl, you can back me up here. Oh, it's um, amazing. But I think it's uh, a lot has to do is offloading the the cycles that were going on the CPU on the computer. Mm. You know, every Connect for One app we ever built here at Internology, uh, our our um, architecture for performance was basically throw hardware at it. Yeah. Big fat computers, and um, now they've re-engineered the device to um, to handle to offload a lot of the CPU cycles. Yeah, because the Connect One, the original Connect. All that skeletal tracking stuff, that was all done with software, right? Yeah. 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 The Connect really just threw um, raw data. Yeah. And so the, with the Connect 2, it's actually doing the skeletal work in the sensor? I don't know. I don't know, Carl, if, it's do you the, know? I don't know if it's a GPU in the sensor or it's a GPU on your on your video card. Now, I, no, I know there is a GPU in the sensor. Um, well, it's either one or the probably, other. We're probably not supposed to say that out loud, but I do know that the new Connect, uh, the Connect 2, if we could call it that, yeah. has a GPU inside the sensor. Well, as Carl described, it's it's in prototype format, so there's right. there's this big blob hanging off it that has the GPU, but ultimately it'll be in the sensor itself. And you have access to a lot more streams. You have access to an infrared stream. You have access to the, the microphone array. You have access to the... Uh, the uh, the depth as we had before um so there's just there's just a lot of a lot of, a lot more data there but at the same time you do have this pre-computed stuff like yeah you, you do have the skeletal information and, and so forth you don't have to own that anymore yeah well just like just like before just the way that you access it is a little bit different uh you you did have skeleton data before and you do have it again they call them bodies now rather than skeletons but it's it's just about the same and the structures are practically the same but in the old one the skeletal data was coming out of an sdk you were running on your machine do you know to tim's point you needed lots of horsepower to make that work in oh, the I new see, one i see you what don't? you're saying the sdk was doing the crunching the numbers on your machine yeah right that's right yeah now it's happening on a gpu somewhere and it's tracking six skeletons natively if you want to track six bodies at the same time right. wow as opposed to two in the other device yeah. You know, it, there, there's all these technical specs. Basically, I tell folks it's two to three times better than the old device across the board. It rocks. What about you know, range? I'm, well, oh, okay. it, we've talked <laughs> about this, and uh, my f- initial tests were from 100 feet away, and wow. it was still doing skeletal tracking. Now, granted, yeah. you know, I, I tuned the environment so the thing would behave correctly. Mm. You know, it hates fluorescent lights and it hates a number of, of things. But if you tune the environment correctly, you know, it, it sees beautifully to 100 feet away and it sees in total darkness. Now, it, you know, the, the use cases for gesture tracking in total darkness are few and few, far between, yeah, sure. but it does. It really, it, really, you, it really doesn't care if the lights are off. In fact, it probably prefers it. Did you, uh, did you Tim, did you test this one in fluorescent lights? Does it still hate fluorescence? Because it's a it's, different sense. No, no, it's so much better. As you well know, Carl, to, you know, with the building the gesture pack software, mm. it behaves so much better in bad lighting scenarios. Yeah, I didn't test I, it in know, fluorescent, I, but I knew that it was better in bad light. 
Yeah, I mean, I have done so many bombed demos in sessions and keynotes on stage because of stage lighting, and it's going to be a good year switching to that new device. It really is. Right. Well, that, I mean, that's, I, and I, I hate to say it, but I've seen you bomb. <laughs> right. but, well, there, there are always humor opportunities, I'm right? over right? here. Hello. Come on. <laughs> but Waving it's the, uh, it's, it's those bright lights, right? This is an infrared sensor. So you yeah. throw those big yeah. spotlights on. And uh, it's going to make a mess of things. Yeah. So the old device was infrared. Um, you know, Microsoft hasn't come clean on exactly what technology they built, but they do did build their own technology for this new device that came out of Microsoft Research, and it is based on time of flight as opposed to uh, infrared. So essentially uh, a radar type of um, paradigm by the way it sees you. Time of so flight. Yeah, time of flight technology, meaning it's it's sending out these pulses at you, uh, very similar to like sonar or radar, and uh, getting something back in return. Yeah, I guess but it depends on what the frequency is that it's pinging you at. Yeah, that's interesting. That's very strange. yeah, yeah. So there was that that famous company in Israel that that really built the the original Connect technology. Right, I think Apple, and now Apple, um, them, Apple owns them, and yeah. <laughs> because Microsoft developed their own much better technology. All right, so uh, when we jump over to our conversation in Denver, you were talking about use cases, but uh, let's let's start that conversation now because you know you you have a whole bunch of these, and this is the first thing people ask me when I tell them about well gesture pack anyway, which sort of you know wraps has wrapped in it the 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 whole connect thing in general. So when I tell them about it, they say, well, what do people use that for? You know, sometimes I'm like, well, I don't know exactly what they use it for. But, you know, any time that you want to make a motion and have your computer understand what that motion means, I suppose. But you you've done a lot of thinking about this. Well, yeah. And I usually when I'm on stage or talking to you guys or whoever, I usually tackle it from a different approach. I say, um, you know, as as developers, especially .NET developers, the lion's share of the work we do day in, day out is CRUD applications, mm. you know, data entry type applications. And those are the use cases that are not good for connect. You know, you just, we just don't have the fidelity to, to be able to keep up with a keyboard when waving at computers. Now we do have it in voice recognition, but we yeah. don't have it in gesture just yet. So if you overcome that and get your arms around that or your head around that, so to speak, uh, it's all these edge cases. It's the engagement thing, um, you know, in, in retail. Retail's coming back. You, you know the economy is turning when you start to see the Madison Avenue firms and the big um, brands starting to spend again. Mm. Um, so it's these, you know, we we built these engaging carousel-type things in retail, which are, are simply a way to to get a consumer to walk up and look at the digital signage. That's all it is, you know, and they can wave a carousel and pick the – the, the Nike shoe or the Converse shoe and do all that type of stuff. Uh, other obvious use cases are in um, medicine, physical therapy, um, data visualization we do in um, the life sciences industry. Um, you know, looking at a DNA strand um, in 3D, enlarged by a gazillion percent and being able to manipulate that giant screen by wow. just putting your hand up there. That's compelling stuff that the scientists actually value. You know, it's, a, it's actually better for them to, to walk into a molecule, 
so to speak, as as opposed to driving it with a mouse from a hundred feet away. Hmm. Um, it's very Tony Stark. <laughs> I want to be Tony Stark so bad. <laughs> I want to be good looking and <laughs> fly around and have Gwyneth Paltrow like me and. <laughs> <laughs> but that idea of I mean the big challenge there is the visualization you still have it on a screen even though you're able to manipulate it you know trying to get that immersive experience is always a big challenge but I I like that we're using the physical gestures to do that yeah and and Richard me you and Carl love that futuristic stuff and you just know the holodeck is coming or some form of it you know between the these 3d cameras like the connect device and by the way, this 2.0 device has at least a, a year jump on all its competitors. It's nice. that good. And competition's a good thing because, you know, the other cameras are going to catch up too. And then there'll be a Connect 3. And that, that's beautiful. When I think about the future of retail, honestly, I think about people at home, you know, with their browser, you know, or an app uh, on their machine or their Xbox and, you know, in, in manipulating an environment that way. Do you, do you see that as being uh, just as or more popular uh, where the app is actually in the home? Well, yeah. And I, I think it's all about um, the, the generations, you know, we, we have this, what do they call them? The digital generation, the digital yeah. native generation. That's what they call them. Right. We have this generation coming that isn't me, you and Carl, it's our kids right. and who are native to digital, who, who will walk up to computers and wave at them natively or speak to them. Right. So, but it's not just in the home, in in retail. You know, within a few short years, it'll be commonplace for these digital natives to interact by gesture in a brick and mortar store. Because I mean, um, I love the idea of using the Xbox One to be able to try different pieces of clothing on. I mean, it's such a canonical Connect demo where you're standing there and it's just layering the clothing on top of you. But for a lot of folks. Not being able to touch something matters. Like the the reason to go to retail is to actually hold it in your hands before you buy it. Mm. Yeah. So another another you know scenario I describe about the future. Um, that's not our generation, but the one coming is um, a question: Would you, smart people in the audience, agree to be tracked uh, if you were in a retail type store, brick or mortar type store, to have the the connect device? To have us be big brother and watch you and watch your buying patterns, watch what you're looking at, watch what you're touching, watch your, what you're not buying, if you were going to get a 40% off coupon. The answer would be no. <laughs> For tech people, I would say no. Yeah. Exactly. The people in our audiences would say, no way. Yeah. I'm not doing that. But guess what? My wife would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> if, she could, if she could get 40% off in Macy's on cute shoes, picture me being a quote around cute shoes because I really don't know what that means. But I know she spends a lot of money on it, and I know she she doesn't buy them because they're expensive. But she would agree to be tracked, and it, you know she'd opt in at Macy's dot com, and and um, you know we'd ha we'd take a three D mesh picture of her, um, and that would be stored in their customer loyalty program, so that when she walked into Macy's, we'd immediately know she's in there, and we could know she's in there by other means, of course, RFID, cell phone, things like that. And then we track her. And this, this is the future of retail. As opposed to tracking what you're looking at in your browser, yeah. we're, we want to, well, not we, but the, re, the big retailers, 
They want to track what you're actually looking at, right? Not not perusing what you're actually shopping for. That's there's a big difference between what you're surfing on the internet in a browser and what you're actually shopping for. The piece right, of clothing you're picking up and looking at and actually it, manipulating. Exactly. Exactly. And and uh, we're gonna push the me, you, and Carl. We're gonna push the lies of laws of privacy with this little thing. And in many cases, that's going to be a good thing. We're not talking about big brother governmental stuff here. We're talking about augmented security and and um, retail tracking and things like that, that, that uh, people will opt in because it, the retailers will make it worth it. Guys, this is where we need to jump over to our conversation in Denver. And listeners, sorry if we repeated anything, but we tried really hard not to. All right. In the next decade, we're going to lose that generation of over 75-year-old congressmen and congresswomen and senators. And we're going to have younger, more technology-savvy people in the United States government. Here I am speaking to a Canadian. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I said, t- you know, technology tends to push things for a good way. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Can we, you know, I like the whole, I like the idea of the tracking stuff. Do we have to identify individuals? Can't you... You stay, no, of course you know, not. somewhat anonymous. And of course not. And then every country has their own privacy law. Like, right, we'll we'll right. never be able to do this in Germany. Yeah. That, it, that is just a private culture. Yeah, they work very hard. I just like the, the idea, having spent some time on retail systems, the idea that you can actually see what signage people look at, you know, what displays actually attract folks, to see how people move around a store. You know, the, with the ultimate goal of, you know, when I shop, I'm trying to do it for the least amount of time. If somebody could actually see how I shop and figure out, okay, if we optimize the store this way, he gets in and out that much faster, I'd be more interested in shopping. Then. Right. Or the coupon thing. Yeah. Th- there are other use cases. Sure. Um, workflow to me is really interesting. Yeah. You know, um, how people move around a, a workspace. Because there are cameras out there that can do pretty legitimate facial recognition. Yeah. Right. It's just they're millions of dollars. We're talking about a $250 3D camera. Here. Right. That's what makes it interesting. So so let me give you another use case. Sure. We haven't built this yet, but I'm just waiting for the bank to ask us to do it. Um, there are, you guys know this, uh, tons of people all over the world, not that's the U.S., that write their four-digit code on their ATM card. Happens all the time. The pin Grandma, code. Grandma Huckabee would do this, write her code on the ATM card because she can't remember it, right? Well, there's all this ATM fraud because right. they lose their card. Someone picks it up, sees the four numbers, and takes all the money, right? Another layer of security just looking at you, you know, at the ATM machine. Is that Grandma Huckabee? Yeah. Or is that a hoodlum right. who's <laughs> got her card? That That's a legit use case, and it's cost-effective. I, I, I could also see somebody being, you know, uh, threatened to run their ATM card, like you see two faces or two people at the at, at the ATM machine, and the sensor could probably figure out this doesn't look right. I right. think the transaction is going to work. Right. You know. Yeah. You, you only want one person coming up the machine at a time. I, that was one of my first thoughts when the security hat went on with the Connect thing. Is the idea that I could set up set up a regular PC with a Connect in a high security mode where only you can be looking at it, and when another face appears in the view, the screen just goes out. Yeah. So that secure data stays secure. Okay, so I really want to get back to this new device and talk about some of the, the new features because it's it's really quite amazing. So there's the, the depths. We have a new infrared stream that we didn't have before. So you're Stream talking about the Connect for Connect Windows, Windows 2.0 2. device that probably won't ship until 
Yeah, summer. yeah, but but this is cool though. Yeah, no, I want cool for your stuff. audience. I yeah. just want to clarify what this we're is talking the stuff about. Stuff that what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to ship for a while. So Microsoft but, has built their own technology as opposed to licensing it, licensing it from that amazing company in Israel. Right. They built their own sensor, hmm. time of flight. If you're into this type of thing, as opposed yeah. to pure infrared. Um, right. And it's pretty awesome. So it so has we a have new an camera. Infrared stream. We have a depth stream. We have a color stream. We have a skeleton stream. And we have an audio stream, and the audio stream lets us, uh, you know, pick. Uh, it has a, basically a microphone array, right? So it can pinpoint, as we d used to do with uh, the old Connect, it can pinpoint more accurately, you know, which person is is speaking, which is just absolutely cool. And it will have a uh, SDK, a .NET and other SDK that makes it pretty darn easy to build gesture and voice enabled apps, right? We also have third party. If you're really, if you're really needing the plug, we have third party companies yeah. like Franklin's.net that are building Gesture Pack, well, which allows allows you to record a gesture, edit a gesture, and plunk it right into your application. Yeah, and you know uh, that was the first thing that I did, of course, was convert my code to run on the new sensor, and it was drop dead easy for me to do. And it's awesome. Yeah. Well, and and it's designed a lot differently now. The last version in the current version of gesture pack anyway you would have to break a gesture down into a series of positions and then say snapshot to record that pose right and it would take all of the x y and z data for all of your joints and save it to xml just for that pose and this you just you do that for a series of poses but this one you just say start recording you just do whatever you make the gesture and then you say stop recording or OK stop or whatever it's going to be. And then it, it saves every frame that you do. And you can animate that Which and play it back. Which is 300 frames a second? 30 right? frames a second. 30 frames a second. 30 frames a second. Getting and so you watch your up. skeleton play back that gesture, that entire thing. And uh, you can also scrub it with the mouse wheel so you can get down frame by frame. And then you can trim, it, trim up the front and the back, you know, the, the frames in the end. So you're just looking at the the frames of, that make the gesture, just to make the data more compact. And then you can click on the joints that you want to track, and only the joints that you want to track in the gesture. Once you're done with that, then you pick the poses that you want it to match against. You don't obviously want it to look and see that you're hitting all of those things. Let's say you're waving your hand. You don't want it to make sure that, you don't want it to, every single frame, you know, to match exactly where you are but if you have the starting position and the ending position that's enough and if you get from start to end in a certain amount of time then you've done the gesture hmm. so you pick the first position in the gesture and the second in the last position in the gesture and that's it and you, now you, you just do you remember the genesis of your idea for gest gesture pack yeah it was dr neil no it was me and you in a bar in europe with a bunch of alcohol and I was whining about my, the Internology engineers. All I needed is a next, left to right. I oh, needed okay. a next gesture. All right. Right? And these yeah. guys are whining at me that, oh, that's so complex, all the trigonometry and calculus. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. the person could be seven feet tall or you could be three feet tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Carl comes up with this brilliant idea. How about just capture it here and here, have some ra range yeah. of error, and right. call it done. That's right. gesture pack. That's why it's beautiful. Yeah. And then my guys are like, 
Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> Freaking idiots. We over-engineer everything. Well, I remember Dr. Neil showing me uh, doing a thing on Connect, and when he, when he was showing I was surprised that there wasn't a way to, you know, because all it gives you really is the skeletal data, X, Y, and Z, of all your joints at 30 frames a second. And I was like, well, so gesture recognition involves tracking those over time. He goes, yeah, I suppose it does. And I said, somebody ought to, like, make a recorder, you know, that records you and then matches you. He goes, that would be cool. Nice. And I that's thought, brilliant. Okay. That's great. Now I know what I'm going to do. So that's, that's uh, gesture track. That's skeletal tracking. Skeletal tracking. I think it's important to point out that the Connect also does depth tracking. Yeah, and depth is a lot more higher resolution. It, it, well, and it's a lot of math. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. You know what time it is? Uh, must be that happy time again. That's right. It's time to debug Grandma Huckabee's Higgs boson printer driver. <laughs> wow. Okay. Oh, come on. That's, that's very funny. relevant. Yeah. <laughs> How topical of you. <laughs> that's what we call a callback, there son. There you go. <laughs> no, no. It's time to announce the winner. It's time to give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete collection to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But before I do that... Let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by Telerik Icinium, which lets you develop, test, and publish iOS and Android apps from a single code base using only HTML5 and JavaScript, all from within Visual Studio. And this includes comprehensive backend as a service in the cloud, integrated support for Kendo UI and jQuery mobile, as well as integrated testing and deployment capabilities. All of this makes Icinium a robust end-to-end -end mobile app development platform for .NET developers. Telerik Icinium is available on a subscription basis and is now part of the Telerik DevCraft Ultimate Collection. So start a free 30-day trial of Icinium with support at icinium.com slash DNR. That's I-C-E-N-I-U-M dot com slash DNR. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Awesome. So who's our winner? Today's winner is Dave Purden. Congratulations, Dave. From Tennessee. Who says, oh, my God, I never win anything. Well, he won something today. He won something today. $2,000 worth of software. $2,000 worth of Telerik goodness. That's just about everything they do in one box, the ultimate uh, the Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection. If you don't know what we're talking about, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we give away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection Every December, we give away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. We've done it for two years now, and uh, we like to ask our guest, Tim, if you had five grand to spend on technology today. Oh, this is the five grand. What question. would you buy? Five grand to spend on technology. Can I have 17 grand? No. <laughs> What well, would you buy with seventeen grand? The, the uh, Microsoft Perspective Pixel 100-inch device. Is seventeen grand, hundred inch, or it's eighty two actually. So eighty two inch. You have one. I saw one of those in your office. Yeah, but I want one at home. The, you can't reach <laughs> from one end to the other. The bloody thing. It's it's fidelity of touch is magical. Its icons are the size of your head. <laughs> we, <laughs> we built a bunch of software specific oh, for that wow. device because it has um, a pen interface too. And it's seventeen thousand. Five thousand dollars in technology, I guess. A f you know, if we had content, maybe a 4K screen. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
I have to think about it. Can I hold on to that? Five. It's not enough. No. <laughs> Make more money. You want to spend more. Yeah. It's a down payment on a, on a, on a perspective pixel. How about a, a connect for windows and a touch screen in every room in your house? You know, the queen wouldn't allow that. <laughs> we can't even have computers in the family room. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. There's a limit on technology. No fly fishing gear? You got everything already? That's not technology. Oh, sure that is. I've been oh, hit, God, I've been hit I with wanted, one of those carbon rods. an Orvis Helios uh, <laughs> five weight. And with $5,000, I could buy five of them. What about, you know, the Oculus Rift or the Motive stuff or any of that cool... I want things. a. I want to spend a month with Tan Lee at Emotive, and shadow yeah. her. That's yeah. the CEO of Emotive, that yeah. brilliant lady. Yeah, she's really she's well. Amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. And the fact they have a new device coming out. Um, do you know what they're going to price that device at? That's the only thing that screws this up, right? I, so I um, went to now. Emotive is E M O T I V. They had did a Kickstarter for their next generation headset, and for those who don't know what this is, it's something that you put on your head. It reads your brain waves, and it uh, you you train it by thinking of something, and then it has a C sharp object that fires an event when you think of that thing again. Oh my God! <laughs> Unfortunately, males are constantly distracted, so yeah. it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> However, the, never mind. Um, yeah, so think about that. Yeah. And so the when somebody em- says, I did that with my mind, they weren't kidding. So the original emotive headset was the Epoch. It is 300 bucks. 299 Yeah, consumer yeah. price. Yeah. So yeah. I was so going to say. As good, I, as good as we are, are and excited Carl and I are about this new Connect for Windows device, they haven't it. Um, they haven't um, elaborated on, no. on its pricing. But yet. I got in, uh, I got a headset in the Kickstarter for, I think, 395 or. Yeah, four ninety five or whatever. We we got in the the developer. Yeah, so they did the Kickstarter where they were trying to raise a hundred thousand dollars to build the next generation headset, which is much sleeker and tidier. They much raised one point six million dollars. That's not a surprise. Yeah, which is pretty impressive. And uh, um, the basic pack, yeah, it was two hundred and forty dollars plus shipping uh, if you got in at the beginning to get an emotive insight. If if your listeners ever get a chance, go to TED Talks. Yeah. And watch Tan Lee do that infamous presentation. She pulls a random guy out of the audience, trains him on the headset for like five minutes, and he starts thinking it's software. And it's it's, it's, it's mind, awesome. It's mind blowing. Yeah, it just and it just. It's, and I I bought one. There was I, like sixteen things you're allowed to think. But Twelve it's like, or sixteen. Yeah, like, it's like a, the first, emo- like first eight are easy, and after that, especially when you're male, you can't think of that many. So, things. so yeah. what we're talking about is a grammar, right? You, uh, the menu of things that you can load up in memory from which you can select is limited, and uh, I'm not sure what they're going to do in this next SDK if that is going to change at all. But yeah, it should be so. interesting. I love those guys. Well, but I got to write her a note. I mean, you can certainly, that's 16 things that can branch. You can load up a new grammar. I mean, there are ways that you, you know, you can navigate trees that way, certainly. So but. we get to use cases, yeah. right? We're back to use cases. Yep. Why in the world would you put a headset on to think at computers? If that's some, what you're thinking, if, right? Why in the world would you do that? Uh, here's you, a great you, use case, and here's what I want to do when I grow up. There are millions of people around the world who are totally sound of mind but they've lost control of their bodies. MS, 
quadriplegics, yep. just a few of these diseases. Yeah. You, can you imagine how you can enrich their lives and, frankly, the world by giving them an interface to computer, to software, and a, a legitimate how, one? And how sad it has been for them to watch this technology explosion happen during their lifetime that they can't participate in much of. Right. Yeah. That's a world I want to live in. Yeah. Or even even as simple as steering the wheelchair with your mind. Yeah. That there's a little video on the internet with the emotive yep. headset yep. and the kids <laughs> trying to steer the the wheelchair it's with his wild. mind. Yeah. That that that's that's a great use case. That that would be cool. I'd love to do that. Typing. I mean, the, you can think of a letter. The letter appears on the screen. Think of another letter. Letter appears appears on the screen. You can actually somebody who cannot physically type or speak or do anything can communicate. Back in the late 90s, I worked with one of the most brilliant people I've ever met, and he died at Microsoft of MS, ultimately crawling his way to work. Brilliant programmer. Brilliant guy. Um, and it just wow. got so he's, at the end, he was dictating code to other people who would type wow. it. Wow. It was awesome. But, you know, with modern medicine and then some of this other stuff, yeah, I mean, you... You could really improve the human race with this type of stuff. Mm. What do you think of Google Glass? Uh, you know, this. <laughs> so I'm at, yeah, tap on the side I'm of your at, head. <laughs> I'm at CES. Uh, I spoke at CES last week or the week before, yeah. right? Right, Doing all this wave at it stuff, and they love it. Um, but you walk the halls at CES. It has 150,000 people at this conference. 150,000 people. Yeah. Well, a good portion of them are wearing Google Glasses, and they're, they're all going like this. Smacking their heads. <laughs> you know, if you've worn Google Glasses, there's, there's these buttons. It's a, t- it's a touch surface along the. Yeah. And I've worn them once, and I ended up going like this, too. Like, I can't get it to work, and then it, it abends a lot. Um, yeah. It has – what do I think of them? I think it's awesome. I think it has bold potential. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a beta. It's a prototype. It's got a long way to go. I just think you combine the emotive with the Google Glass – and so the Higgs Bart, uh, the Higgs, Higgs, the, the, Higgs yeah, print uh, the God particle, Higgs boson print driver, <laughs> yeah. right? right. But the idea that you could think at this device and it would be showing stuff in your eye, yeah, yeah. you know, rather or than augmented less, reality, less tapping type inside scenarios. your head. Yeah. Well, that's where the Oculus Rift comes in because right. like, Oculus Rift is really doing the VR thing, but it's an immersive goggle. Like you don't the Google Glass, you see through it. It's really sort of out of your line of sight, but the. The Oculus Rift, you're strapping a thing to your face. you got to take your glasses off, right. and it'll actually adjust so that if you're nearsighted like I am, it works. Have you tried them on? I have not. It's unbelievable. I've done the Google Glass thing because yeah. Stanfield owns a pair of them, yeah. which, like most people now, his Google Glasses are in a drawer. Most people own Google Glasses. They're now sitting in a drawer doing Rich, nothing. Richard's a glass hole. Yeah, I've got one. <laughs> and it's in a drawer at home, and you hey, never wear I, them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it only lasts two hours, battery-wise, so I get distracted. So I'm in, a, I'm in a bar with your buddy Forte at CES um, at, uh, at um, last week, week before, and he's funded this company that augments Google Glasses, software that augments. Mm. So I'm making fun of these young guys by going like this, because they're all, and they're like, no, no, we fixed that. You know, that's what our software does. So they now have a physical interface that you wear on your, your belt like a dorky calculator, right? <laughs> and now you get to go like this and manipulate your Google Glasses. Oh, and that's better. <laughs> and that's that's better? better for some reason. Huh. Okay. All right. You know, everybody's trying to figure out a better interface. 
You know, like there's all these explorations. And better is hard phases. to define, right? Yeah. Better for one person, better for the 45 to 55 demographic. Old guy is different from my buddy Blair, my editor, the 25 to 30 demographic. Or are you in 20 to 25? Right? It, <laughs> better is relative. Okay, here's another one. And I got, I, I was talking to Mark Miller recently, and he's really, really hot on eye tracking technology. Anything As, that Miller's hot on has got to be cool. Yeah. I so love that what guy. about you? Are you interested in eye tracking At technology? A, I'm, I'm interested in anything new, a natural user interface that is consumer priced. Right. You know, the, the U.S. government has, we, we steer our Cobra helicopters and blow up shit for, you know, what is it, like $50 million a device. Yeah. We, we can do some fancy stuff with $50 million. Um, but I'm, I'm interested in the consumer-based stuff, and they're starting to come out. Consumer-based yeah. eye tracking. But so it's, it's like point-and-shoot type stuff, right? If so you're, if you're it gonna, was on your laptop, and it could basically, you could either pull for it, it would fire an event that gave you coordinates on the screen of where you were looking? Right. To what end? Well, well the, the, the question is, what's the use so case? So I, I, well, I saw a demo of this, right? Quadriplegic. Well, I saw a demo of this, and if you're filling out a form... You know, that's one tab or, or mouse click that you don't have to do when you, you can just look at the field and start typing. Um, you know, or you just look at an object and start using it. You know, or if you're, you're dealing with Connect, right? You're just looking at something on the screen and you're interacting with it. It's the, you shift the context to whatever it is you're looking at. Because computers, and this is what Mark was saying, computers don't know what you're looking at when you're talking to them, when you're interacting with them. But we, we get that. There's a lot of information that humans get because we understand who you're talking to. It's part of the context. Well, I, I think the no-brainer is focus, putting focus on a control. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, we're, we, we're still fumbling around, you know, reaching off the keyboard for a right. mouse and then moving the mouse over to get focus. If, as programmers, we haven't, you know, right. done the done the right thing to put the focus in the right. next control. I, I think that's great for focus. Well, okay, but for file open, no, 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 that's, no, no. it's going to be a little no, tricky. No, no. But if you think about if you think about speech recognition, it works great because the combination of looking at something and talking to it totally agree. now totally makes sense. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. I think one of these most of these things are going to make sense when they synthesize uh, the different sensors together. You know, mouse, the mouse on its own is not that interesting. The mouse with the keyboard is interesting. Yeah. So and and all these things put together in what you taught me, Richard, about um, drivable cars or what, what the do you automated call driving car, automated driving. You know, that's all this put together. Yeah, sure. Sensor fusion. Your your prediction it. is coming true, by I the know. way. Richard predicted that we'd have driverless cars within a decade or fifteen years. Three years. I'm like, I mean, I you know, I grew up in Southern California. There's no way. Yeah. No. They, guess they're, what? They're starting there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think in three years it'll be everywhere. Yeah, Toyota came out with a car that drives itself, a yeah. prototype. It's, you know, I saw yeah, a video happening. of it the other day. And we did it. We did the geek out on show 900 on it. And we I, to do I'm another married one. to yeah. someone who needs a driverless car. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I have a, I have a 21 year old at CU who needs one of those too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, there are a bunch of profound changes on, on the way those things are going to work. Isn't technology great? Sensor fusion around computing to me is very interesting. Just that idea of getting all those sensors together. That, and that begs the question, with this Connect 2, it seemed like with the original Connect, we had a few vendors. We had Asus and a couple others that wanted to integrate that sensor into their displays and into their laptops. Right. Then it all stopped. 
And I figured it was because the next generation device was coming. Well, it was well, the it leap, didn't, really. It didn't stop. It just stopped for the Kinect. Yeah, All right. the other 3D cameras, like Soft Kinetic is in the Intel. You know how Intel has its, no brand, has its own brand now on computer? Yeah. Right? They're making computers. Well, it, they embed the Soft Kinetic device. Right. Um, and then one of the other OEMs is embedding the Panasonic device. Those people that contacted me today are embedding. It's just that Microsoft device that is still big and large and is it stands alone. Tell right. us about these other two devices then. Are they very similar to Connect and what they offer? Well, and is there the, any kind of .NET we've, interface? We've yes and yes and yes. Um, we've talked about this a million million times on this show, and and that is uh, competition's a good thing, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Carl and I didn't believe it, but that Connect now has a year jump. It's the best 3D camera out there, without right. a doubt, hands down. Yeah. But guess what? <laughs> the, the, the other companies aren't going to stop, right? They're going to continue to innovate. Ultimately, we want it in a in a smartphone form factor. Yeah. Why do we want that? Um, you know that new expensive iPhone where you put your fingerprint on it? Yep. It's a convenience. You're authenticating with convenience. It's not a security authentication. It's convenient. Right. We want this. I, I don't want to type numbers. I don't want to swipe. I just want to go like this. Have Didn't it recognize the, uh, me. Didn't the S4 do that? Uh, the, the Samsung S4 actually has a I think a, it tried to do it. Because you are able to swipe and slide without touching the screen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I want the 3D camera on a smartphone so you could do some of that real augmented reality stuff. Yeah. So yeah. you can get a 3D mesh of something, turn oh. it into an object. Put the 3D camera. So you can camera, scan through a room. I want the 3D camera on the Google Glass. Then I really will be casting spells that only I can see. <laughs> Won't that be awesome? Well, I'll be doing if, this. If if us if us humans agreed to put a chip in in their oh, in the back God. of their neck, right? We could do a lot of cool things, but that ain't gonna happen. Yeah, yeah there's some issues. There's issues with breaching the 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 skin barrier. For forty percent off cute shoes at Macy's, <laughs> would Kelly Huckabee embed a chip in the back of her neck? All right. What you really want to think about is the next generation emotive. So right now the emotive is only collecting your brain waves and stuffing into a computer. How can I alter your brain waves from the computer? Talk about privacy law. There you go. Let's get some questions from the audience. Anybody have a question for Tim Huckabee? Raise your hand. Even if it's why did the Chargers lose to the donkeys? I'll take that one. (laughs) You really go there, huh? Did I say donkeys out loud? (laughs) <laughs> and we will repeat your question. Paul with Prism says, "Hey, wouldn't it can I paraphrase? Wouldn't it be cool if these sensors sensed fatigue? That's that like a haptic interface maybe." Yeah. Um although I think even the connect especially at a high resolution sitting on your monitor in front of you could tell your physical posture as fatigued or tired or frustrated, mostly frustrated. So in a in a long roundabout way, Richard said yes, <laughs> and the new Connect device yeah. that Carl and I have t- have been talking about can track so well that at thirty feet away it can tell you what your pulse is, what your heart rate is, by looking at your face. So yes, your, bo- your body so, actually, your face actually flexes with your your yeah. heart rate, and it can no, measure that. No, we didn't that know difference. that, but you could, you know, if you look close enough, you can see your your pulse in your. I face. believe it also has a thing that will tell if you're happy or frustrated. Yeah. So with the right algorithms, Paul, which you're going to develop and make a, a m- bunch of money on, yeah, you could you could um, make a a stress type thing and yeah. sell it to corporations who have compliance 
against overworking, you know, their people or airline pilots. That's a big part of their job too. It's a but, great idea. But Run there with is it. A, there is a mood sensor basically, and it That's hasn't, the happy it isn't implemented yeah. yet. But it but it's part of this. And, and my understanding of that is it's just looking at the shape of the mouth. Right. Wow. And yeah, if yeah, you're yeah. smiling, it yep. assumes you're happy. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Right. <laughs> and if you get the smile of a guy who's about to hit the computer with a hammer, right. it's a, you're happy, right? right? The evil Smash. smile. I don't yeah. know if I can tell the yeah. difference Figure between the evil, evil smile. smile. I like that. Great but, question. Yes, Thomas. Uh, what are we missing to be able to create a holodeck? The question is, what are we missing to be able to create a holodeck? Right. And this is where we started this conversation. Yeah. Because at the end of these, what's the future of Nui thing, I always talk about building the holodeck. And really, with these 3D cameras, you can build most of the holodeck. We can build completely virtual environments. And we have beautiful people with that are blue with tails in movies, right? We have virtual actors. You can what you can't do though is apply matter to a virtual object. That's the god particle. All right. So, the, how, I think probably the closest we're going to get to that is coming in this new VR revolution with the Oculus Rift type things. There are other goggles that do even cooler stuff. I think There's also something I think that you brought up, which was, it was a, a, and I don't know where I heard about this, but it's a platform that you can walk on that's like a, it's like a... Um, it's an omnidirectional treadmill. That's what it is, an omnidirectional yeah. treadmill. So essentially, while you're wearing these things, you're walking and you can walk in any direction. And so you can imagine a room with a bunch of these things and, and a bunch of people, uh, you know, sort of simulating you can basically have experiences that you would not normally be able to and have with, with haptic interfaces which is technology that you wear you know there's these gloves haptic gloves and they fool you because they provide resistance they fool you into thinking you're touching something um which is close it's not the holiday you're still wearing gloves right yeah you're still wearing a well you're now we're we've got a headset yeah. you got the goggles we've got the on Google so you can and now we've got gloves and yeah. we're walking through an airport going united denver <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't look geeky at all uh in uh in the later william gibson books and that's the guy who wrote neuromancer where the word cyberspace comes from and i love that the first time the word cyberspace was written out it was written out on the wedgwood typewriter that's beautiful uh, his later books, like Adoru and the Bridge series, talked about a group of humans that were referred to as gargoyles because they had wearable computing on them and the goggles. Really? And, they, and they made their living capturing in-the-moment video of accidents and things and selling it in real time to news stations. And they were generally reviled by the rest of society. When was this book written? Uh, was, uh, ten years ago. Interesting. Gibson is you, you. He's one of Gibson and Sterling are the guys who sort of predict and really see a lot of this stuff. So, so those guys that take those videos now we call that YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, you know, and CNN's got a service for putting that up there. But this idea that you you know cover yourself in technology to the point where nobody would want to be anywhere around you. Hmm. And, you, you know, you put the emotive headset on top of the Google Glass, on top of a wearable computing <laughs> with the watch. And, and you're not dating a lot. There you no, go. No, <laughs> You're pretty much there. Uh, any other questions for Senor Huckabee? Anyone else? Yeah. Over there. The question is, what about incorporating the connect with the 3D printer? Yes. Um, 
totally legitimate use case. We're building uh, an app for a company, well, for the largest, the most successful theme park in the world that does a lot of movies, a lot of kids' movies. But can't okay. be begins otherwise with a D. named. It begins with a D. And that's exactly <laughs> what they do. You know, you, you take, you take the Kinect device and you and get a 3D, yeah. you get a 3D image, a 3D mesh of the little kid. And then you put her, out comes the little mermaid with her face, you know, in a figurine. Nice. And they, and they charge, I don't know, probably charge a hundred bucks for that. So there's a, there's technology that exists with the current connect in SDK, current connect for Windows, SDK 1.8. And right now for 200 bucks, you can get this current connect for Windows. And, uh, what is it called? Fusion? Is that what it is? Connect Fusion will Connect build Fusion. a 3D mesh for so, you. So yeah, you basically walk around the object with the Connect and uh, scan it from every direction. It builds a 3D mesh of this thing, and that is available now. That's not science fiction. And so we're headed towards the idea of a three-dimensional photocopier, right? With all the same fears that the original photocopiers had. You know, book publishers petition governments to collect fees against every photocopier to pay them because their industry was going to be destroyed by the photocopier. Interesting. And now we've got 3D printers combined with 3D scanners to make 3D copies of things and the same kinds of fears I, are I showing up. I think there's also a thing, this is something my daughter brought to my attention. She's uh, in design school and they talked about this in class. 123D, I think is the name of the app and it's for an iPhone. It's Autodesk, I believe. Am I right? Autodesk about makes it yeah, for the Autodesk iPhone. Makes it, I really? think so. Wow. And uh, it's free. And with an iPhone, you can essentially do the same thing. Take oh pictures, yeah, I saw this. Take pictures of something from every angle, and it will make a mesh. And from it that. stitches together a bunch yeah. of two D images into three yeah. D. Yeah, we, we've done that in life sciences. It's hard. That, it's that, really hard to do that. Was I right about yeah, that? Yeah, you're one, right. Two, that one, two, three D okay. by yeah. Autodesk. Very cool. So you can do that on an iPhone too. You don't even need a Connect. The great thing about Connect Fusion is it doesn't. You you can 3D mesh anything as opposed to skeletal tracking, which is, which is humans only. So if you wanted to, you know, point it at a Coke bottle, right? You could get a 3D mesh of a Coke bottle. You know, with with some pattern recognition, you could go up and figure it out that it's Coke and apply the logo and you've got counterfeit Coke. Other questions? Yes. So with the connect, where is the computing power? Is it connected? Do you have to be connected to the Xbox? That's a great question. That is a very good question. Question is? Well, currently or eventually? The question is, with the connect, where is the computing power? So there's, is it in the device or in the... There's two answers to that. With the current version of the connect, most of it's in the PC. Or the Xbox. Uh, the Xbox, yeah. Um, with, the, with the new version of the connect, it's in the GPU. They've offloaded, yeah. yeah. So, like some of the production apps we build for Connect for Windows, we have to throw hardware at it. Just big, yep. beefy computers. Because the CPU is, is doing a lot. Um, voice recognition. If you throw hardware yep. at voice recognition, it works. works the better better. It works. The more hardware you throw we at it. We had a couple more questions, so I want to get through them all. Yeah. Then you have it make it with a 3D printer. So it's an artistic 
The comment was, I can see uh, artists using this to build a 3D example before they actually sculpt the artwork. But being mm -hmm. able to do it physically, I mean, right now, yeah. 3D artists like, like my daughter, like Alex, draws on the computer 3D objects just fine. But the idea that you could, with a set of sensors, you know, digitally shape something that's only available in virtual space and yeah. then make it print. Yeah, that's and this cool. is what I love about this device because every yep. time we talk about it, creative guys like you and you come up with these use cases that we right. never even dream of thinking of. Yeah. I think it's cool. Another question over here? I saw somebody else raise their hand. Yeah. Nick. It's my man, Nick. Augmented re so how far are we away from the augmented reality that Tony Stark has? Which I think, you know, part of the problem we have is that we have movies that are way better than reality could possibly be. You uh, mean those blue people with tails aren't real? Because yeah. that girl is hot. <laughs> when the queen finally kicks me out, I'm going to try and track down that blue girl. Right. Cameron, I, I love that. Um, we don't have a good projection system. Holographic projection is really, really hard. Not only expensive, but it's just not that good. So that's part of the problem. Uh, I still feel like Google Glass is a Newton, not an iPhone. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's a step. Yeah, but it's a step. You. You, need, you need, if you actually look at the specs of a Newton, it is an iPhone. It's just a generation too early, or two generations too early. So uh, I think we're within 10 years. I'd say a decade also. Yeah. Within, within Before 10 years. legitimate. That's the stock answer for who the hell knows. Yeah. Well, that's why I keep saying that. Uh, or we closer. need alcohol to figure that out. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> we, you know. I love what the sign language for we need alcohol to figure that out was. She like did this. You know, yeah. awesome. <laughs> we all need a drink. <laughs> I think that's a show, guys. Any other questions before we wrap this up? All right. Okay, well, let's give a round of applause to Tim Huckabee. My we'll see you next time on .NET Rock! .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band.